So the Christmas season is all of that. It is the coming of the light. Um, the reason Christmas, the Christmas holiday was set in December because indigenous and earth religions um, had a festival of light every year around this time. December 24th is the longest night and the shortest day of the year. And you can imagine how frightening that might have been for people who only had candlelight or fires when there wasn't daylight. And so they had a celebration to remind everyone that the light is always coming again no matter how dark it gets no matter how dark it gets. And that works in the uh, physical world. That is the truth. That is the law of nature. And in the spiritual world, no matter how dark it gets, the light comes again, always. It is also the celebration of the birth of a baby. And the Catholic Church many, many years ago decided to um, have it around the time of the Festival of Light, which was usually about a week-long festival. And so they celebrate the birth of this infant. We don't know very much about the life of Jesus. But we know that he existed. And we know, or I feel, as far as anybody that we know about, he exemplified that spirit of unconditional love, that spirit of knowing the truth of God, the truth of who he was, the truth of who all of us are, the truth of this world. I believe he came to share with us this radical idea of oneness. And if you read the Hebrew Bible, or Christians call it the Old Testament, Testament, it seems like God is very angry a lot of the time, and there was much separation between the people and their God. And then Jesus, through his life, said, the kingdom of heaven is among you. The kingdom of heaven is within you. The Father and I are one. You and I are one. Therefore, we all are one. And every time somebody said, wow, you're working miracles, he said, nope, not me. It's the Father within that does the works. It's the spirit of love within me that does the works. And that's why that name Emmanuel was so important um, in, in the time of the Jews before Christianity it was a, a harbinger of the fact that this is why this baby is here, to let us know that God has come down. Not that God was ever anywhere, but we didn't know about it. And we lived as if God was far away, and that created a lot of fear. And when we understand that God is um, not something fearful that we have to bow down to, but is something absolutely loving that we can avail ourselves of in every moment. And then we don't have to rely on our poor little human power, which is pretty puny. There's not much in this world that we have control over as humans. 
But the power of love within us, the power of God within us, can do all kinds of works that we can't imagine. And so during this time um, um, of the early church, there was this man named Saint Nicholas, or Saint Niklaus, he was Dutch, um, who started giving gifts to the poor, and especially to children at this time for this festival. And that became a tradition, and it turned into Santa Claus, and we all know what that is, and that's a beautiful, that's a beautiful um, celebration of being able to be with our families and give our children a little bit of magic. I grew up um, in the Church of Christ where we didn't, and we did not celebrate. Some Church of Christ people do, but my family didn't celebrate Christmas because there was no literal biblical authorization for the celebration of the birth in Christ. And every once in a while on Christmas Eve when we were home in our dark house and all the other houses were lit, my father would get out the Bible and read to us just what I read to you and say, now, see anything about Santa Claus in there? Anything about Christmas trees? And we were like, no, no. We'll go play in our rooms because all our friends are with their families having fun times. <laughs> and uh, it didn't feel to me, I mean, I didn't feel lacking as a child. I knew, you know, there were lots of things other people did that we didn't do, and that was just one of them. But a lot of people felt really sorry for us. And when my daughter was born was the first time I celebrated Christmas. And I didn't for years after I left my parents' house because I, I didn't think it was wrong. I didn't think there was anything wrong with it as my parents apparently did. But I just didn't know how. I didn't have any traditions. I didn't have any, you know, anything. But uh, I, I love to share this story. One night, um, the last day I was teaching, and it was the last day of school before the Christmas holidays. And I was at home with my nine-month-old daughter in our little apartment. I had left my husband several months earlier for the good of both of us. Um, and the doorbell rang, which scared me to death because we didn't live in a very good neighborhood. <laughs> and our doorbell never rang. So I tentatively looked out the door, and it was a teacher that I worked with at Smithfield Elementary School. And she said she had bags in her hands. And she said, now Melinda, I know you don't celebrate Christmas, but that baby celebrates Christmas. <laughs> and she just started putting stuff around my house. She gave me $20, that's how long ago this was, and said, go buy a tree. And I went and bought my first Christmas tree. And she hung it with ornaments that came from her own tree, from her own family's tree, and I still have some of those. So this magic that the song speaks of is also very important. And I remember telling my friend Beth Ivy, a lot of y'all know her, she sings here occasionally when Aaron was about two, I said, I don't know how to handle the Santa Claus thing because I don't want to be lying to my child. That didn't seem like a very good precedent to set. So I'm not sure if we're going to do the Santa Claus thing. And Beth said to me, Melinda, don't you dare take magic away from that baby. And so we had the magic of Santa Claus. And I understand now that any kind of magic in this life is something to be celebrated and to be joyful about. Now, 33 years later, this will be my 33rd Christmas. 
33 years later, I, I get it. <laughs> I get the jadedness that people get. I get that it starts to feel like obligation. I get that. But I want to remind you today, and this is what this lesson is about, awakening to wonder. There are always things to wonder at, not just to be curious about, but to have awe for. And I invite you to open yourself up to wonder and awe this season and every season. That's what keeps you young. That's what keeps joy in your heart. That's what keeps us alive to our hope. So Mary was expecting. She was expecting. I love that word. She didn't really know what to expect. Joseph was expecting to be married to a maiden and finds out, oh, she's great with child, as they say in some places in the Bible. And oops, that wasn't his expectation. But he listened to an inner spirit that told him, no, it's okay. You can trust this. You can trust this. And they trusted. And they trusted. So this is a multifaceted holiday. And in all of the things, in all of the parts of it, we can awaken ourselves to wonder. And so I wanted to talk about the difference between expectation and expectancy. I know I've told you up here that an expectation is the same as a premeditated resentment, <laughs> right? If you have a specific expectation of somebody or something that you have no personal power over, then um, you can expect that it's probably not going to happen a good deal of the time because other humans and nature are involved. The actual definition of expectation, a strong belief that something will happen or be the case in the future. Expectancy is something very different. It is the state of thinking or hoping something, especially something pleasant, will happen. So I can have expectancy of wonder, expectancy of awe, expectancy of seeing proof that my hope is justified. And then I am open to all of the clues that that is happening. When we say, my expectation of Christmas is, you know, we're going to have this family dinner and it's all going to be perfect and I'm going to, you know, that's not going to happen. And likewise, we have this expectation, some of us, we're going to have this family dinner, and my brother-in-law is going to be there, and I can't stand to spend any time around him, and those kids are just wild, and it's just an example, but we all have them. We all have those stories of who we spend, who we sometimes feel obligated to spend holidays with, and how it's going to be, and we expect to feel miserable. If you expect to feel miserable, you probably will. If you expect that you will find something to be happy about no matter what happens, I can guarantee you that will happen for you. But if you expect this person to act this way and this person to act this way and you to spend this much time in the food to be exactly like this and you know all of the things that we get an expectation about, I can almost promise you that at some point you're going to feel not very happy about what's going on because the world generally does not live up to our personal expectations. Nobody checked in with me today 
about what the weather was going to be or how any of my relatives were going to act. And so I can have an expectancy to see the beauty in whatever does happen. Magic is defined by Webster as a state of possibilities. Ooh, does that give you goosebumps? A state of possibilities. I wish you magic this Christmas. I wish that you hold all possibilities and that you look with an expectation of wonder. Expectation is preconceived. It's specific. It's about timetables. It's about plans that rest on what others are doing. And relying on conditions to be a certain way when you have no control over them is a definition of insanity. Right? Expectancy is not preconceived. It's waiting. It's waiting to see what happens. And we can wait in hope and wonder. Wonder as in curiosity. Hmm. Wonder what's going to unfold. And wonder as in I am ready to go. <gasps> I never imagined such a thing. Mmm. And so wonder is defined as a feeling of surprise mingled with admiration caused by something beautiful, unexpected, unfamiliar, or inexplicable. It's the idea that anything can happen, but that it's rigged in my favor if I choose to see it that way. And so, the song was a lot about being childlike again at Christmas, about experiencing magic, being open to wonder so that we can experience magic. And it reminds me of an old joke that I heard about a kid that asked his parents every birthday, every Christmas, every day, I want a pony, I want a pony, I want a pony. And his parents said, no, 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 we're not getting you a pony, we're not getting you a pony, we're not getting you a pony. And when he was about 10 years old, they asked him what he wanted for Christmas, and he said, I already told Santa I want a pony. And his dad got so mad at the fact that this kid just wouldn't listen to him, they had a load of manure delivered to their house and took the boy on Christmas morning. This is, here's your present. And the boy jumped up and down with excitement. And his dad said, what are you so excited about? He said, with all this poop, there must be a pony somewhere. <laughs> I invite you in difficult situations, which may happen over the coming months, to see the poop as possible evidence that there's a pony somewhere. That there's a pony somewhere. I invite you to look at what is with wonder and awe, with new eyes. What is? And with love. There are people that we expect to be their worst selves. But we know in our hearts that those people are not always their worst selves. And we may know in our hearts that we tend to be our worst selves in situations that are stressful, like holidays. And so we can expect ourselves when we open to magic and wonder, to hold everything a little more lightly. It doesn't mean you can't hope something, hap something specific happens, but it means you hold it lightly because God is in control of that. And I have found through my life over and over and over and over again that if I'd gotten just exactly what I wanted, 
just what I wanted, nothing else, just what I said I wanted, I would have sold myself short. God had something greater in mind for me. Sometimes it had to be revealed over time. Sometimes it was revealed right then, but I didn't have eyes to see it. And it took me some time to open my eyes to the wonder. And sometimes it just, boom, whoa, never expected this to happen. Joy in the moment. All of those things are possible if, possible if we hold those possibilities within us. And I believe that's what we're asked to do. And when we look at this Bible story metaphysically, what we know is that there was a person who was to bear this child who became so important. The way he lived his life was so huge that over 2,000 years later, we're still not only talking about him, writing books about him, reading books about him, but celebrating his birth and celebrating later on in the year his resurrection, his triumph over our physical life and his exuberance in declaring that I am not this body, I am spirit. Isn't that cool? That is cool. So during this season, when I hear the words about the baby Jesus, what I hear is the potential, the potential that all children have within them. And the potential, and wouldn't it be nice if we had all been visited by angels who gave us this idea, oh, by the way, this is the Christ. This is God with us right here, right now. Because guess what? All children are that. They are God with us. And the way we behold them, the way we treat them, the way we see them, the way we teach them to see themselves helps them to be more truly who they are. Emmanuel, God with us. And when we're not children anymore, it's not too late. It's not too late. Look at your partner. Look at your friend. Look at your neighbor. Look at the guy across the street who, actually, who just absolutely drives you nuts. Maybe because of his political signs. Maybe because he doesn't keep his yard the way you'd like him to. Open your eyes to know Emmanuel. God is with us. God is with us. So we keep open to seeing the best of what is. But we also keep open to the idea of what if. Okay, this might not go well, but what if it does? What if it's a great day? What if I don't have a panic attack? <laughs> what if I don't eat too much? <laughs> what if I don't get three of the same present? <laughs> what if? Because the truth is we have no idea what is to be. We only know what is and what if. So if we hold our what if with that idea of expectation, of wonder, and we hold our what is with the eyes of love, with the eyes of understanding what this holiday is truly about, what is, is that no matter how hard it is to see it, the Christ, the loving spirit of God, the Holy Spirit lives in every person. I believe that with my whole heart.
And what that means is that Christ is alive in us. The Holy Spirit is here. So not only do we work on seeing it with other people, not only do we work on what if and what is as we navigate the holidays with the people that we will be navigating them with, but what if and what is right here? What if I'm not as bad as I think I am? What if I'm not as hopeless? What if that diagnosis is not the absolute truth of me? What if I get to love someone no matter what they do or how they show up? Because what is, is that I am the spirit of love. Now, my human self gets a hold of that and does all kinds of crazy things with it. But if I can let go of that, if I can hold my expectations lightly and be ready to birth the Christ... That's what this is. This reminder, yep, the baby Jesus was not nearly as important as the man Jesus who had these amazing teachings that are still with us today. But the wonder is that he didn't just appear magically on earth. Ah, I'm the Christ, let me tell you things. Which every religion before had had, whether they had a historical embodiment of a god or not, God was some magical being out there. God was, if God was embodied, which a lot of the polytheistic religions have, God is in the tree, God is in the rock, God is in the mountain. Still, that embodiment was something other than I. And the reason that Christianity rings through this world in the way that it does, even though we can all have, we all have, Lots of um, perhaps criticisms of exactly how that's done and how Christ is represented. The truth is, the truth is that this was the first time in the, in the ken of mankind, of humankind, the first little inkling that, oh, we are not just wretched and something out there is we're depending on something out there to make up its mind about whether we get good things or bad things. We are that something out there. That something out there is in us. It is with us. It is among us. We can see it in each other. We can celebrate it. That was revolutionary. It was absolutely revolutionary, which is why a lot of people went, nope. <laughs> That's why what happened to him happened to him. And yet, he held the what is with calm for what he needed to do in this life. And the what if, what if through even going through the worst thing I can imagine a person going through, my teachings are still known 2,000 years later? What is and what if? So I ask you to be ready to embody the Christ and the way Webster defines the Christ is Messiah, the one come to save us. Now, when you read Savior, when you sing Savior in these traditional hymns, not, it's not that you're drowning in a sea of hopelessness and somebody comes and plucks you out. The Savior is here. It's, the Savior is our connection 
with God, our connection with love, our connection with the very spirit of life. And we are not saved by being plucked somewhere. We are saved within when we choose to acknowledge and to use and allow to be reborn in us that spirit. The Christ is often known as Jesus, but it is important to remember that his name wasn't Jesus the Christ and Christ was his last name. Jesus the Christ. And Christedness, I think I wrote that somewhere, Christedness, no, maybe not. Um, an ideal type of humanity. That's the, the third definition in Webster about the Christ, an ideal type of humanity. In other words, humanity fully connected to divinity, fully connected to God, fully connected to spirit. This is the real message and the real hope of Christmas. And I invite you to hold it in wonder and in awe, knowing that the magic of perfect love is your birthright. Thank you. We'll take those ideas into meditation. So if you will settle yourselves, make your body comfortable so that you can Focus on the truth of you, which is that you are occupying this body, but it is not you. You is that spirit of love. You is that spirit of longing. To know perfect love. To show perfect love to be perfect love in the world. And here's the wonder and the magic of it. We do not need a perfect vehicle in order to awaken to perfect love. In our human cells, in our bodies, and in our human minds, and in our culture, all the ways we've been enculturated, there are a lot of things that seem to be barriers between us and the Christ. And the beauty is that we get to work through those things, through those very challenges. Acknowledge them as what is. And acknowledge that what truly is, is something greater. And so in this moment of meditation, we breathe and we simply ask God, let me touch that within me. Ask your higher self, allow me to know and to feel my own connection 
And in that, in those moments of remembrance, lies our hope. Our hope that things can be different. Our hope that we can be different. And also our letting go of expectations because as we know that things could be different, we in our human selves do not have to decide exactly how or what it would look like. Because this amazing, vast, all-loving spirit we call God or the Christ or the Holy Spirit or divine energy, whatever, that knows what perfection looks like. And so we simply allow it to do its work through us by holding ourselves open to all the what-ifs in the what seems to be. <coughs> and so in this moment, I invite you to, if you're feeling any stress about today or tomorrow or the holidays in general, simply ask yourself, I wonder, because we know what is guaranteed is this love is real. It's the realest thing there is. Everything else is just decorations, vehicles, challenges that are here to help us realize more fully the real truth, which is love always, only, ever. And so we hold our holiday rituals lightly and lovingly, and we go with, with them and through them if we so choose. Do it with an expectancy that says, and wonderful things can and will happen. 
I allow myself to have the eyes to see them as the wonder and the magic of love that they truly are. We give thanks for all of this love and wonder and magic that is available to us in every moment in this holiday season and throughout our lives. We experience and express that gratitude as we say, thank you, God. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And amen.